three on the way. Good! And Garland spins down the lane and laid it in. This crowd has erupted. Welcome to Fear the Fro, a podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is, my favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. I am your host. A new season has arrived. Bob Schmidt, voice of Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Colin Cowherd, amongst others, talking about Cavaliers basketball, NBA basketball, and as of today, the first of two consecutive matchups with the Philadelphia 76ers to get this preseason going, and our first look at the Cleveland Cavaliers since the acquisition of superstar Donovan Mitchell, who did not disappoint. Now, I have a bunch of thoughts on this game and then kind of the team in general, but let's start with tonight. The scoreboard, largely irrelevant. The Cavaliers lost by one point, 113 to 112, but by all accounts, the game was over at halftime. The Cavs went into the the half up by four, and you never saw their starters after that. The second half featured a lot of Dean Wade, featured some Lamar Stevens, who didn't get in in the first half, and then you saw all the end of the bench guys, Sharif Cooper, RJ Nemhard, and Diakite. What a second half from him. Admittedly, I didn't know a lot about him. What was I missing on this guy? Because when he was out there on the floor in the second half, four blocks, two steals, could have been five blocks. They took one away, flushed a bunch of buckets, made a bunch of hustle plays, and is fast getting up and down the floor. Robin Lopez left a lot to be desired, which in his defense, playing against Joel Embiid, it's not an easy task. Paul Reed, though, had some success against Lopez. Lopez seemed like a step slow rotating, but let's not start out of the gate there. Let's lead with the big bullet points, the things that everybody wondered going in. The first one was, who's going to be the starting small forward? And we saw Karis LeVert, who had a fairly quiet first half. He didn't even take a shot attempt until very good to end the first half, ripped off seven points in a row, hit a three, hit a couple buckets. Donovan Mitchell found him on a nice dump off that he put in. Going into the half, it was sort of a dead heat between Okoro and Levert. Now, Levert didn't force the issue on offense, which was bound to be the case because he's playing alongside a lot of offensive firepower. With Mobley out of there, you could make the argument that an even better offensive force in Kevin Love was out there alongside Garland and alongside Mitchell. So I certainly wasn't gauging how I felt about Levert based off how many points he scored, but more if he was opportunistic, if he found ways to get other guys involved, how his defense was. I thought the defense was fairly active. I thought the offense, and Donovan Mitchell echoed these sentiments in the postgame, it was a lot of isolation. Garland tried to get Jared Allen involved, but he just had an abhorrent start to the game, missed his first four shots overall, was very inefficient on the night, just two of seven from the floor, five points, a couple of rebounds, no blocks, no steals. It wasn't the typical Jared Allen you're used to seeing, but again, one of the most difficult matchups in all of basketball, if not the most difficult matchup for Cavalier centers, is when they play the 76ers team. So I'm going to just push that out of my mind, put it behind me, but hopefully in game two, Allen comes back against the same team, and we see a much better, 
much more efficient effort. I mean, we saw him airball his first shot. We saw him miss a dunk. We saw him press when he got and beat on his back down low trying to get a look without getting blocked. You could tell that he was rattled by how imposing Embiid is. And I will say on the other end of the floor, I thought the Cavs did fairly well to slow Embiid, but he was settling for a lot of jump shots. He didn't force the issue too much. He finished the game with 12 points. The real story of the first half, of course, for the Philadelphia 76ers was Tyrese Maxey, who had 21 points, went 9 for 11 from the floor, made all three of his three-point attempts, and a skinnier, faster-looking James Harden. I didn't think he played particularly well, but I do think it bodes well for their team that he seems to have come in engaged, a man who takes a pay cut and then loses a bunch of weight. Somebody who I think over the last few seasons, for all the negative things that have been said about Harden, we can't really question what his motivation is, at least coming into this season, because he seems locked in. He seems to want the right things, which is to put the most competitive team out there. Happily played second fiddle to Maxi in that first half, and Melton gave them some nice minutes off the bench. And I also thought that Paul Reed was very good. Uh, and Montrez Harrell, albeit it was against mostly our backups, he started to heat up as the second half went on and ended up as their second leading scorer uh, with 13 points. But that's enough about the Sixers for the moment. With the Cavaliers and the small forward position, I don't know that I would say that I saw any real separation. I think each guy of the three main guys who contributed tonight had their moments. I thought that Isaac Okoro came out the best in the first half in the sense that his first bucket put his head down, got to the rim, had another nice bucket that he finished with contact from Joel Embiid and got the and one. And while he did miss all of his outside shots, just took two of them, he was only two for five, so certainly not a high-volume night from him, but I did feel like he was aggressive when I wanted him to be aggressive. And Karis LeVert While he was passive at first, that's understandable because he was playing alongside the first unit, and those are some high-usage guys that he's playing with. But in the end of the first half, he poured in a lot of points in a very short span, seven points in just a couple of minutes, and helped the Cavs go into the half up by four. So certainly, that kind of spark plug is what I would want to see from Levert. I thought he was pretty solid defensively. Same could be said for Mitchell. I thought Mitchell was nice and opportunistic. He had a a nice offensive rebound that he put back, and he made some plays. They Both him and Garland distributed fairly well. Five assists for Mitchell, four assists for Garland. They contributed 28 points in the first half before shutting it down at halftime, and it was a three-point barrage to start the game. At the end of the first quarter, Kevin Love, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, they were six of seven from three. So they contributed 18 of what I think was 28 points, if I recall correctly, in the first quarter. But the Cavs came out gunning from outside. They took, over the course of the game, 33 three-point attempts. So that's a substantial amount. And they shot over 40% from three. Now their field goal percentage, 46%, it's kind of average. It's right in the ballpark. But to shoot over 40% from three is very respectable, considering Nemhard could not buy a bucket. I mean, he went 0 for 3 he went 0 for 7 overall. He was very cold. Neto gave some incredible minutes. And Dean Wade, consistent, steady over the course of the game. I thought he, his best time was in the beginning of the third quarter. He finished the game with 11 points, 
five rebounds, three three-pointers, which is exactly what you'd hope to see from him, spacing the floor. Now, I thought part of what happened to Wade in the first half, because he did get minutes in the first half. In fact, he finished the game leading the team in minutes. He had 23 minutes, but the problem was he was playing with a second unit, which was a lot of guys who are not very familiar with one another. Now, Neto looked good as the backup point guard. There's two stories as far as the unspoken of guys that I think everybody is going to be recognizing uh, this morning. I say this morning, I'm taping this the night of the Cavs-Sixers game, but most of you will probably hear this podcast in the morning. Neto, 12 points, a couple of assists, a couple rebounds, but he made some heady plays at the end of the first half, got in the lane, got fouled, and at the end of the half, when James Harden drew what should have been a foul, but it didn't get a whistle. He threw a little tantrum, and then he did what would have been a take foul, typically, if this was last season. But now those result in a free throw and possession, and Neto went to the line, helped pad that lead, helped the Cavs go into the half uh, with the four-point lead, 64-60. I thought Neto was good. I didn't think Lopez was particularly good. Diakite, goodness. That man was all over the place, and he's fast. There is a part of me that if I'm swinging wildly over reactions based on one game, I thought his minutes were far more productive than Lopez, and at times I thought Lopez looked pretty slow. I would be interested to see how Diakite plays alongside guys who are just better creators than guys like Nemhard and guys like Sharif Cooper and Hinton. Maybe give him some minutes alongside Neto, alongside Garland, alongside Mitchell. I know it's not going to happen a lot, but... I mean, this is the time you have the luxury of playing guys to figure out who's going to fill those final spots or those two-way spots on your roster. So certainly, I would love to see some more of him. I thought Mobley was respectable. I mean, he was a little bit foul-prone, made a couple good passes. He made a nice one to Lopez. He faked his guy, got a lane through it inside. Lopez didn't finish the bucket. But in the first half, Mitchell, Garland, Love, all excellent from outside. Jared Allen, a forgettable night. One you just chalk off to it being the first night. Bunnies were being missed all over the place. Levert, Okoro, between those two, and even Dean Wade, to a certain extent, it was kind of a dead heat. Now, Dean Wade, he's going to make some some uh, Twitter videos, I suppose, in the sense that he got buckled by James Harden a little bit and kind of dove because he was falling over. It was one of those plays that looks worse than it probably was, but certainly people are going to point to that as, oh, look, Dean Wade got shook by James Harden as a way to push forward the, you know, James Harden reclamation project. No longer fat, lost over 100 pounds. Why don't you tweet that narrative that comes along with the Sixers? But I thought Garland and Mitchell coexisted excellently. It didn't seem forced, uh, albeit there wasn't a lot of pick and roll with Mitchell. I did think that he found ways to get into the lane and found some passes by what he was able to create. And then Garland... And Jared Allen, they seemed right back in the flow of the pick and roll and even the little pick and pops with Kevin Love. Dean Wade, I would love to see him get more minutes alongside Neto because if he is going to be a second unit option, if we are truly not going to give him a a look at the starting small forward, which I would be happy to see how all these guys play alongside the starting unit. With Kevin Love in the starting unit, it does seem a bit redundant with Dean Wade. But then again, he is a much better three-point shooter than Levert. And if they're playing comparable defense, then I certainly would be curious to see. So 
And I'm sure we're going to get the opportunity to get a look at all of these guys just to see how they're capable, at least until Mobley's back, which by all accounts will be a couple weeks. So we'll get another crack at the Sixers, but just talking big picture, one thing I took away from this first game is that a lot of the worries we had about ball handling due to injuries last year, Neto is a luxury. Rubio won't be back for a while, but Neto is a very capable backup point guard in this first game, and I sort of suspected he would play better than the headlines that he's been getting because it's tough to get any coverage on a team that brought back Rubio and traded for Mitchell and has a sizable amount of star power in front of him. But if there was a negative story to come out of tonight, it was that Stevens didn't get much time at all. He had a nice couple of blocks in this game. I thought he was active in his minutes, but by the time he cracked the floor, he was playing alongside the guys who likely won't even be on the active roster. So hard to assess how well he would play if he had the luxury of playing alongside the much better players. Osmond got minutes much sooner than he did. And while I didn't think Osmond had a particularly effective night, he had a few turnovers. He was pretty quiet overall, but Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, you have to love what you see out of both of them. I mean, they they both had efficient nights. Mitchell was 6-9, and nine, Garland was 4-7. They hit four of their five three-point attempts between the two of them. Garland missed a couple of free throws, which is unusual for him. But all in all, a good night for the Cavs. Whether they win, whether they lose, that's really irrelevant. They won when their starters were on the floor, which is about as much as you could ask for. But now we need to see how the offense progresses, The ball's going to be in Mitchell's hands a lot. So he's going to have to get used to the spots where guys like to get fed to go to the other side of the floor because this will be a team. The Philadelphia 76ers definitely going to be a team that is there towards the end of the playoff run and a team that has a guy in Joel Embiid who gives everybody problems but has had field days against Cleveland Cavalier centers over the years. Looking at what they did, I have to say – The additions of Melton, the additions of Harrell, the additions of P.J. Tucker, who had some incredible screens to free up those three-point looks in the first half on the baselines. I mean, multiple times he picked off Kevin Love, he picked off Karis LeVert, and we didn't have guys recover in time to stop those looks. It kept the Sixers in the game because there was a point where it looked like Cleveland could put their foot on the throat a little bit, but every time that happened, they'd get an easy look from outside, They'd cut the lead a little bit, and they hung around through halftime. And then, of course, at the end of the game, they prevailed on the uh, scoreboard. But have to feel pretty good if you're a Cavalier fan. The one thing that I don't feel like there's much more clarity about is simply the small forward role. Who's going to fill that? But that's because we're not playing regular rotations here. We're giving a lot of minutes, and we're giving looks to guys who likely won't make it off the bench. I mean, Isaiah Mobley logged minutes today in the second half and we saw Robin Lopez for a decent amount of time, RJ Nemhard, Sharif Cooper, Nate Hinton. Those guys are just trying to make an impression. But of the end of the bench guys, Diakite had a phenomenal showing. Very active, very fast, found ways to disrupt plays on the defensive end and then took off running on the other end. It's hard to assess him too in the sense that Montrez Harrell has never been known as a lockdown defender. So Certainly, when he's playing a more conventional center, he may find things a little harder to come by. But for the 76ers, being able to slide Tobias Harris down to the three and P.J. Tucker at the four spot has given them the luxury of sort of burying Thibel. Thibel didn't really get first-half minutes, 
And for a guy who was talked about as being untouchable in trades back when Harden was being rumored to be traded to them the first time, he certainly looked pretty bad tonight. Missed every outside look, scored four points, but it was just on one of four shooting and a couple of free throws. Felt like all garbage time contributions. The story for the Sixers, of course, was Tyrese Maxey, who is poised to make yet another leap was fantastic last year certainly one of the guys right there in the running for most improved player and tonight he was the best player for the Sixers in the first half best player in the game really 21 points and just aggressive found ways to get his floaters got into the lane had pull-ups hit his outside shots you couldn't ask for much more out of the young guard so I think PJ Tucker is going to be good for that team too because while both him and Thibel are not guys who require many offensive looks, Tucker is much wiser about how he can contribute off-ball as opposed to Thibel who just camps out and doesn't give you much in the way of screens or ball movement that Tucker can. And of course, while he didn't take, he only took a single shot attempt tonight, didn't take a single look from three, but he has proven to be a pretty capable floor spacer from the corners if you give him those looks. He simply did not take them tonight. But overall, after one preseason game, I feel pretty good about what we saw from our star guards. I like what I'm seeing from Mitchell. I like what I'm seeing from Garland. I didn't feel like he really stepped back at all. He was still a huge contributor. I'm excited for more. But this is the Fear of the Fro podcast. We are back for season number two. Thank you to everybody who subscribed, rated the podcast, listened all last season. And I will be, well, right back at it. So join me next time on another episode of the Fear the Fro podcast. Thank you very much. This has been Fear the Fro. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy Bob Schmidt always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.